You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. gentlemen boys and girls of all ages welcome to the paranormal portal i'm your host brent thomas i'm thrilled to be here with you hope you're having a great night and thanks so much for coming here and spending your night with us and by us i mean that i got my good friend and co-host mr don longbeard in here with me oh my god is that guy here again yeah i know he needed something to fill that space go back to work (laughs) (laughs) i got two cameras and i just didn't have any reason to use the other one here so uh Welcome, Don. How you been, brother? Oh, good, good. It's uh, it's uh, one of those weeks where you just don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> but all good, all good. Um, yeah, just enjoying the sun, actually. It's been kind of nice here lately. Yeah, it has been pretty beautiful, uh, other than the clouds and stuff. But uh, I'm sure the sun's out there somewhere. But, ladies and gentlemen, we got an incredible show lined up for you again. Uh, this is... Uh, in his first visit, I think he completely blew me away, and uh, I had an absolute pleasure listening to him, hearing his tales, uh, the passion, the uh, dedication to his craft is just incredible, but we, of course, are talking about uh, our good friend, Mr. Dean Harrison, Yowie researcher from Australia, is joining us once again. Welcome back, brother, and thank you so much for coming back. In fact, I was so excited about coming back on, I had the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. Um, I, I, I saw that we uh, we had a lot of positive feedback yeah. uh, from the last show, which I was pleased about, and I'm sure you, Brett, yeah. you, were, you were pleased about as well. Uh, in the comments, I note that uh, along with uh, many other positive things, uh, somebody mentioned that uh, Dean Harrison can talk underwater with a mouthful of concrete. (laughs) (laughs) 
which has got to be a talent, I'm sure. <laughs> but he did prefix that with, uh, but he knows what he's talking about. Also, also in the comments, I, I note that there was a couple of women there that uh, uh, said basically uh, said uh, something along the lines of, isn't it a shame what age does to people? <laughs> and then another woman responded and said, yeah, he used to be pretty good looking. Yeah, but I guess it catches up with all of us. <laughs> I guess I didn't see those. But... <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> epic. But anyway, so last time you were on, we, we went through... I mean, just it had to have been a small, infinitesimally small fraction of, of your experiences. And many times throughout the course of the night, you're like, oh, I'd like to tell you about this. We didn't have enough time. Oh, I'd like to tell you about that. We didn't have enough time. Obviously, we've got a lot more ground to cover. And I don't even think these two hours are going to do much to, to you know, cover the scope and breadth of what you've been doing. But uh, I'm really excited to have another opportunity to hear uh, more of what you got to share, because I think uh, we all agree, and, and not only Don and myself, but all the listeners, really, really enjoyed your first visit, so it's really cool to have you back and to dive back into it. Right. Uh, at the end of the last show, mm-hmm. I'll, in fact, to begin with, anyone who hasn't seen part one, don't watch now. Go back and watch part one first, because the first part of this probably won't make much sense to you. So go back and watch part one, then go back and watch part two. Um, for the first half an hour of part one, I think I bored everyone to tears with archaeology and paleontology. Um, then we got on to the more fun stuff. Mm-hmm. At the end of the last uh, show, I was talking about how sometimes you get thrown a curveball when yes. you're on operations or you know, expeditions. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about a place, a very spooky mountain place called Mount Kembla. And we, myself and this, this guy Craig, we were parked out there in the middle of the night and uh, we were waiting for, well, hopefully, uh, an encounter with the Yowie. We'd, it's miles away from everybody, uh, from anyone or anywhere. And, and you probably remember this, and people who watched last episode would have remembered this. And we were there playing Lone Camper. And Lone Camper, again, is uh, what you do to increase your odds. Uh, if you have uh, one person there, you've got pretty good odds. When you go to two, three people, your odds of having an encounter diminish. So here I was in the car. Uh, it's it's uh, it's pitch black outside, and Craig's a musician. He's playing the guitar. He had a barbecue set up, and he had his video camera set up, which I didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so he's busy strumming away, and I'm falling asleep in the car with the seat back. And uh, suddenly, here's this shriek, this scream, this woman's scream, which ended up being Craig. Remember? Right. <laughs> and uh, so I put the windows down a little bit, and I said, Craig, Craig are you okay? And there's no response. Windows down further, Craig, Craig, are you okay? No response. And so I ended up getting out of the car and I walked over to Craig and he's as wide as a sheep. And he's just sitting still as a statue, just looking forward up into the forest. Right. Uh, and so I'm looking up in the forest and I'm looking back at him, the forest and him. So Craig, did you see something? He's like, yeah. It's, he's not elaborating on anything. I said, up there? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> And I said, well, I'll go up and have a look. And he's like, ah, no, 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 don't. And he was really, literally, I mean, genuinely scared. Yeah. And so I grabbed my flashlight and I went up there, as you remember, and I panned up and down and around. And what he's looking at was a fork of a tree. So mm-hmm. there's, the, there's the, the fork 
and the fork would have been probably about seven seven feet high, and the bull shawl all around. And I'm looking back down at him, and I said, "Look, there's nothing here." So he went back down. and said, "What did you see?" And he said, "Well, I saw this face just appear in the fork of the tree, mm-hmm. and." It wasn't just a face. I mean, it was. He said it was the most demonic face he's ever ever seen, and it was sort of shaped like like this, and it came down so like up to a thinner jaw, uh-huh. and her eyes were as dark as charcoal. Mm-hmm. And he said it was just the face of pure evil. He said it was like looking into the eyes of the devil itself. Right. And he said when this thing is that the thing that really disturbed him the most, besides the whole thing. Um, is the, the fact that when it looked at him, he said, it was looking into my soul. He said, it wasn't looking into my eyes. He said, I could feel it. It was looking into my soul. Wow. And that's what really affected him. And so he had a really hard time getting over that this that night. Right. And then, then we spoke about later on uh, how we had that possible UFO occurrence. Everything was just lit up around us and there's something above the car and then that went. So... Again, that, that's all in part one, but um, the, the reason for me bringing this back up is because I, I forgot all about the punchline. And so we spoke about this all the way home, which was off on a Monday. On, um, on about the Tuesday or Wednesday, he was sitting in his lounge room with his wife and his child, and they're playing back the video. Um, they're getting up to the stage where... Here he is strumming along, he's having a sing, and he looks up and he screams. At this stage, just as they're getting up to this, just as they're getting up to this point, he turns around and says, oh, he grabs the remote control and he says, I'll just pause it here and I'll go to the loo. And as he paused it, guess what comes up on the big screen? Oh my God. Really? Right in front of everybody. Oh, my God. His wow. wife phoned me and told me, and she said it was, it was, it was demonic. And, and here it is in front of everybody. And he was like, uh, So he's, he's left it on there, and he's gone to the loo, and he's come back, and he, again, he's rattled. And so he grabs the, the remote control, and he puts it back in rewind. He says, let's watch this again. So they're all sitting there watching on with the remote control. And it goes past it. Pause, rewind, goes again, nothing there. Goes past it, so okay. Goes back to the initial spot, now it goes frame by frame, 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 frame. Goes past it, they never found it on there again. Wow. Oh my god. That's really spooky. That, yeah. That's wild. So it was, it was really something supernatural in a demonic way probably then i mean that's just <laughs> that that just can't be uh what we would consider a yaoi would you think well he, no oh heck no no i mean basically he, he had vindication because he had witnesses with him right right and they saw it themselves it's just that the just one of these really odd circumstances of yeah. how why yeah what, why wouldn't it come back up again? And, and, and what are the chances? What are the chances of him pausing it right on that half still, perhaps? Jeez, that is so creepy. 
Uh, and the, the, so it was just lost to time then. It was lost to their memory at that point. It just didn't exist. And this, this is one of those things that, um, that we, we, we can't explain. Yeah. Um, now, also, uh, retouching back on the last episode, mm-hmm. we were talking about Ormo. And Ormo, uh, if anyone hasn't seen part one, turn it off now, go back. Well, <laughs> um, Ormo was, was, was a kicker for me. That, that was a game changer. Ormo, that, that experience that I had, that encounter, that's what made me who I am now, basically. Uh, and I, I almost lost my life that night. And if I hadn't jogged down, if I had a jog down this track at 11 o'clock at night, I wouldn't be sitting here right now with you, talking to you, because it would have got me. No question about it. Um, so this, this, uh, this, this creature here, uh, it, was, um, it was first heard making an awful racket behind me. And, you know, it obviously had anger issues. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was breaking the place up and, uh, and, and it chased me. And uh, if it wasn't for the fact that it didn't come out in the open, uh, I, again, it would have got me. And it was, it was all really, really close. Now, six months later, I went back to that location and I walked apprehensively, daytime only, of course. I walked through this bushland corridor uh, where it happened and in this in this bush is it's creeks it's swamp it's uh, it's very thick um, and uh, uneven sort of terrain and as I'm coming down into it out comes this this, this boy this this young guy he would have been probably about 12 maybe 14 12, 14 somewhere some somewhere around there, early teens and um, back in my early days, being the super sleuth, I had uh, I had a pair of uh, cheap binoculars. I had my twelve dollar Kodak camera with a <laughs> six, six yard flash range, and uh, and then a couple of other peripherals. And he he sees me coming, and he walks straight up to me, very direct, and he says um, he says to me in a very Australian accent. He says to me, hey, mister, what are you doing? And I thought, how bizarre, how forward. And I said, oh, and then I'm sort of going through my files up here going, what can I tell him? <laughs> uh, bird, bird watching. <laughs> that, that's a good one, bird watching. Uh, and he looks at me, you know what he says? No, you're not. Oh. Wow, where did that come from? He goes, you're looking for that thing, aren't you? Oh my god. And suddenly my radar up like this. What thing are you referring to? The big thing in here. Uh, the, the big hairy thing. I said, well, what? Can you t-? And then he says to me, he goes, you're from the government, aren't you? You're from the government. And you're trying to track this thing down. I said, wow. This guy knows. And here I am thinking, I'm the only person who knows about it. And, <laughs> and here is this kid come out and he says this to me. And this is like again. This is six months later because I'd moved. I'd moved to Sydney. And I spent all this time with Fatfoot, and I was on holidays back up in uh, in Queensland. So, given the first opportunity, I rushed out there, of course. Sure. And so here's this kid, and he comes up to me and he says this. So I'm like blown away. Well, tell me what you know. He's still believing on from the government, of course. <laughs> um, 
the old bird watching story didn't didn't cut it. Um, and, and so basically, what what he said to me was, him and his friends, they were out there. Out, just prior to this, prior to this, I'd already been out there, uh-huh. and I found this hut uh, that someone had built, and it was just strewn everywhere, right through the bush. And it was all, it was half of it was left, the hut, and I'm going, what a mess! And there's this stuff everywhere, like there, there's a bag there, and there's, there's batteries, and the batteries appeared appeared to be bitten in half. Okay. It didn't look like I mean, I mean these are batteries, D-sized batteries. You go, yeah, what? And, and it looked like teeth marks. Oh, my God. And, and, and they're in half. And I, and I couldn't make heads or tails. I should have told this before, the whole boy thing. Um, and uh, what else was there? Oh, there was an egg. And the, the, the top of the egg looked like it had a, a finger through it, like it's a chicken's egg. Uh-huh. And the, um, the contents were all just sucked out. I'm going, okay, well, that's odd too, and et cetera, et cetera. So then, okay, now I get to the boy thing. So he's come up and he said, oh, listen to me. And he said, well, myself and my friends, we were, we were building a hut out there in, in the bush. And this thing came, comes along, and he said, it was huge. He said, it was smashing through the place. <laughs> um, he said, it was, breaking, his words were, it was breaking the place up as it's coming towards them. And so they get a visual on it as it's coming at them, and they've just dropped everything, and they've ran, and it's chased them. Oh. And it's chased them, and they only, he said, they only, it's gaining on them like this, and they just got out in the opening in time. Oh, my God. And then it stops, it's turned around, and it's gone back to the hut. They said they stood out there in the, in the empty paddock, listened to their hut being destroyed. They said it was just being thrown everywhere. Wow. Wow. So for me to hear that, um, so so then, so they said that they wouldn't go back there that day. Mm-hmm. They left all their stuff there, and and they said that their parents, who live on the other side of the field over there, and, and it's fenced, and it's a township called Norfolk, and it, it's a it was a new housing uh, area that built on his area, obviously. Okay, and. Uh, that all the neighbours all along that fence line, they're all talking about the noises that came from that this bush, the screaming and the roars and all that. So they, even the adults were concerned about what was in there. Uh, so, wow, how about that, to, to come back six months later and hear this story? Yeah. Um, then, roughly about that same time, on TV... There's a, we had this show back then in 97. It was a, a missing persons type show. Have you seen this person missing? Da, 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 da. As it turns out, this guy, he goes missing. Where? Where I was chased. When? When I was almost taken. Oh, my God. They never found him again. So, so in this, in, in, in this uh, situation, what had happened was it was on dusk. He had finished work. He had been dropped off by work colleagues to be picked up by friends. Now, he had what we call, um, we call an ASCII here. I think you call them like a cold box, like a cool box. You can get your lunch in it, that sort of stuff. And um, so with that and, an es- and, and a thermos, uh, and he sat on the side of the, the dirt road, which was just not far away from where I was. And uh, between the time he was dropped off and they came to pick him up, 
he was gone. Wow. All that was left was his gear, and he was never found again. And uh, again, this is the same time that, that this happened to me, so it just makes you think. Um, at that time, I, uh, I had to do a show, on, I was on the Today Show. Uh, you've got the Today Show over there. Oh, sure. Uh, it's, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. So I was on the Today Show, and I was in the newspapers, local newspapers here on the Gold Coast. And that raised a lot of interest. And then I had to all these reports of other people saying, yeah, well, we've had our encounters with him as well. Now the picture's getting bigger. Uh, then a Channel 10 news report comes on late at night, and they talk about... Um, this woman talked about, while they're doing the upgrade to the, the highway, about this uh, big old man who was trundling down the side of the road very early in the morning. Mm. And she said this smell was like sulfuric. It was, uh, it was horrible. I mean, it was almost like rotting, rotting eggs come sulfuric. And she looks down the road and she sees this old homeless person just trundling, just trundling down, down the side of the highway. And remember, these, this is a highway that's been there for decades and decades, but now they're doing the upgrade. There's roadworks everywhere. Mm. And she said this thing just looked confused, or this person, I should say, looked confused. Um, so as she's getting close to it, the smell's getting worse. As she gets up next to it, she looks up through the windscreen at it. It looks down at her, and she's like a gasp. It's no man. I mean, she said the face on it was just horrible. Oh and God. at that point, it just runs and nearly gets collected by about three or four cars straight across the highway into the cane field and disappears. Oh, my God. So that was, uh, yeah. So the, uh, the other people there uh, had uh, encounters too. So he, he was spending a lot of time in this, 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 lower, this lower ground. And as I said earlier in part one, that this, this part of the forest, it goes up into the hills. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2003, I'm not talking too much, am I? No, no, I, I, uh, no, it's great, fascinating. In, in 2003, I get this phone call. And these are back in the days when I had my, my phone number public on, on, the, on the internet, uh-huh. which is, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I received this, this call. And he is an American stroke Australian, uh, semi-American accent, and he had a very shaky voice and he was very, very nervous. He said, uh, he said I'm not quite sure if this is the right number for me to call. Uh, uh, I've, I've had a sighting and, uh, and, uh, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know who to talk to. And uh, I said, no, you have the right number and um, tell me the story. Well, first of all, tell me where it happened. He mm-hmm. says, Ormo. I've gone, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me get my pen then. Uh-huh. Um, so it turns out he was just up the hill from where I was and all the other people. He mm-hmm. was just up the hill in, in, in the mountains. And uh, he was a tree lopper, an arborist. He was felling trees off a property, so like clearing a property, basically. And this, this property was uh, on a downhill uh, grade, and he had to grasp onto things to get down to the trees. That's how steep it was, and uh-huh. you know, his, his feet would slip, etc. And he was up there in a tree, and he was felling. I think he'd already felled about three trees about 45 minutes later. 
And uh, I think he got down and he fell this last tree, and this, this thing came down with a big crash. Uh-huh. And he said, up stood this, this creature. Oh, and um, he said, this thing, in fact, this guy got the best view of it out of anybody because it was just on dusk, or just before dusk, and he said he's looking at it right in the face. He got the best view. And um, he, he, said it, he said it was just like an ugly person covered in hair, except eight feet tall. And, uh, and he said, um, in an American accent, he says, some sort of weird-ass gorilla man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you, yeah, you can imagine that. He said it had a big eyes and a spade nose, uh-huh. and uh, it, it, its fur was uh, muddy and clumpy, and he said it looked pissed off, oh, and, no. uh, and it was. And then so from, it stood up, and you could see it from the waist up, and it's sort of looking from behind the tree. Then it crouched back down again and then wandered into the thicket and he said suddenly it just started breaking up the place, mm. smashing everything. He said rocks were going, uh, small trees were being felled. Um, it was making all sorts of uh, uh, ruckus. I mean, it was, it was, it, it had anger issues. <laughs> <laughs> so it's doing that and he's just going, I am getting out of here. At that time, he's, 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 uh, he's taking the chain off his chainsaw and he's, he's trying to sharpen it. So he's just, got, just grabbing everything as quickly as he can. Right. And uh, he, he takes off. And suddenly this thing takes off after him. Oh. He said, I just don't know how fast or how fast these things are. But now I'm trying to grapple onto things, trying to get with my stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to grapple myself back up this hill. He said, this thing was just oh. straight and encircling around him. Um, he said, at one stage I thought there might have been two of them, that's how fast he was. And then he's come around the other way and he said, oh, he was going to cut me off between um, me, me and my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knew that this thing was right behind him uh, at certain stages because he could hear it because he's just crashing through things. And, um, uh, and then, then uh, he gets out into the opening just in time another story being just in time to the opening right. and this thing doesn't come out in the opening. So you've got my story mm-hmm. of this thing with anger issues crashing everything down in its path. You've got the boys, anger issues, it's smashing everything down in its path. You've got Jason the Arborist saying this thing had anger issues, smashing everything down, having a tanty. And, and also they trying to cut you off to the car. Mm. But here comes the interesting part, right? We've got about 30 seconds. Oh, shit. So, you see what happens? <laughs> so then can, we'll get back to this at the, un, at the other end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason we love having this guy come on. It just, just went right by. I know, it just flies. But the stories are incredible. This is all real first world experience, or first hand experience, <laughs> rather, and first world, I guess. <laughs> But uh, you can see why we we love having them back. But uh, don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go to our first break of the night. We'll be right back on the other side. So grab a drink, use the loo, and we will return shortly. Don't go away. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. 
we just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. gentlemen the second half hour is now upon us here on the paranormal portal don and myself are sitting here just enraptured by our tonight's guest uh world-renowned yowie researcher mr dean harrison is joining us and uh we have been on an epic journey so far uh just before break we had to stop that that story but uh please continue that was brilliant i'm still disturbed by some of the comments from those women saying how old i look <laughs> um, so um, that, that sort of scraps the second half of the show that I had planned. So I'll keep my shirt on now. So shut out the window. <laughs> no Chippendales tonight. Sorry, ladies. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So basically, we, we just told the story about Jason the Arborist. Mm-hmm. He was just one of many people who had an encounter with this same one. Now, I say it's the same one. I know it's the same one because it has all the same characteristics. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So, here he is. He's gone back down to my area on the street that I was in. And he goes down this little cul-de-sac at the edge of the bush. And there's this woman standing out the front doing the gardening. And he pulls up the car and gets out. And it's a bit impertinent, but he goes up to her and asks if, he's seen, if she has seen anything strange. Mm-hmm. And then she just thought he was a peanut to begin with. But... <laughs> uh, it turns out that uh, she has a small son or a young son. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure the age of, of this boy. I presume he would have been pre-10, mm-hmm. uh, like that. And he'd made a friend over the fence in the bush that he called Willie. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, I'm not happy about that name, by the way. <laughs> um, they could have been Brutus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Willie. Um, yeah, not, not, not that manly, is it? Um, so, so basically, he'd made this friend with uh, this, well, this imaginary, imaginary friend that, that she puts it, uh, that he called Willie. Now, Willie told him that he's going to be leaving this area now, and he's going up the mountain to spend time back with his family. Oh. Guess where Jason was? Up the mountain. Just up the mountain. And guess where we never had any more encounters? Back down where Willie oh. was. That's interesting. So so literally this child seems to have been communicating with it then. Seems so. They seem to have an, uh, uh, a relationship with children a lot better than, than adults. They seem to relate to them a lot better. And I've got some pretty good stories from witnesses that, that uh, relay 
encounters from when they were young, young, young children. Uh-huh. I've, I've got an absolute doozy here too uh, that I'll hope to have time to to get to, and and it's it's yeah it, it is absolutely fascinating. And I spent a lot of time talking to this woman, and she's talking about the times from when she was six years old mm-hmm. and the relationship that she had with the young one of them. And she said the parents were never far away, but she had a relationship with the young one on a banana plantation. But that that's a story for possibly a little bit later. Okay. Um, so anyway, so here's here's this Willie, uh, and it just she can't help to make me think that was it or would it have been? Is is there a chance? Is there a possibility? Uh, and what are the chances of all 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 the uh, the um, encounters now were happening up on the hill, and none of them were happening back down there where this kid lived. Right. Yet this kid said that he was moving from there and going up the mountain. <laughs> Is there any weight to it? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, so, all right. So now I'm at the stage where I'm thinking this thing's dangerous. And it is. I mean, it is. It, it is. Sincerely, I say, it, this thing was just a bad... He was just a bad guy. Yeah. And, uh, and he had a chip on his shoulder. And I wouldn't be surprised if he caused more deaths than that other guy that I presume was probably taking my own. So, I mean, I, I was almost taking my own. I would have been. I have no question about that. Um, so now I'm, I'm getting concerned about this thing, and I'm thinking, well, this thing could possibly cause more damage. Perhaps I need to do something about it. At that stage, I had a relationship with uh, certain levels of the military. Okay. They come to me, uh, and we had a bit of a an agreement, so to speak, in terms of information sharing. Mm-hmm. Now, these, these, this particular guy that I was dealing with was very, very high up. Uh, still active, but very high up. He'd been there for a long time. He fought in Afghanistan and Iraq and you know, all the usual places, Somalia. And, uh, and, and, and he had a, an offsider there as well. So I got in contact with him. And I explained the situation. I said, I just, it just doesn't sit right with me. I said, I think, I think we should just go and have a word to it, so to speak. And uh, so they said, okay, we'll, we'll take care of this. Now, I put them in contact with Jason, and they had a conversation with him. Then they set a date, and they went out, and they had all sorts of equipment with them. They had uh, flashbangs and flares, not the flares, but uh, rattle traps and all, all this military stuff. They, they, and, and these guys are snipers as well. Mm. So what they, what they did, what they did, they, they set up on this slope, uh, very close to where Jason was really taking, and they, they set up the lone camper situation. Remember I said that lone camper situation? That's what, we yeah. did, um, that's what they did as well. Uh-huh. So they had a lower area where this one guy he set up a barbecue, and he was alone. Kevin. Now, up here in the uh, in the lantana, they put a clearing behind the lantana, and he he was the, the sniper. The first night they had nothing to report. On the second night, it was about probably about twenty two hundred at, at ten o'clock, mm-hmm. and suddenly they they hear this tree come down in the valley. 
And they, these guys had uh, throat mics, they had night vision, sure. uh, all that jazz, all the usual. And, uh, and that, the guy at the top had a, a long arm sniping, uh, sni sni sniper weapon and was, uh, was scoped in for 200 metres. Uh, they both had sidearms, uh, 0.45. Okay. And so this thing is on the approach and it's heading towards the lone camper. As it starts to get close, it looks down. It gets right to one of the tripwires. Now, remember, this is pitch darkness under a tree canopy. Sure. And this is a black tripwire. It gets to the tripwire, and it looks down, and then it walks around the tree <laughs> to the other side. Oh, man. Now, he, said, he said, that's impossible. Now, you could not do that with the human eye. He said, I firmly believe that it saw that tripwire. You and me would not have seen that. That's, that's, that's the purpose of them. You do not see them. You walk through them. Right. And, uh, and so, so that happened, and now it's getting really, really close. And as it's going straight through, and then the, the guy down the front, he's getting worried. He's going, ah, sort of thing. And so he starts to retreat back to the, the top position. And as that's happening, this thing comes across, and the guy's just let out one round. And it's hit the tree right beside its left shoulder. And this thing's like, and then it just goes through through the trips and everything's lit up and the night vision goes down, so now he's blind. Oh no. Um, and so this this thing's he said it was thrashing about and screaming and I know what this sound is like. It's not a nice sound to hear. It was it is awful. And he said, This is what it was doing, smashing everything. And, um, and so he's let out a couple more, and then I think it's, it's come back at some stage and it's back on again, and they, he let some more off, and, uh, and then they've dumped along, um, and they've gone to the short arms, that they've gone their side, side weapons, and they've chased this thing. And the chase, he said, it was, it was on for a couple of hours, the, the playing cat and mouse, and this thing just kept coming back around at them all the time. And he said it was, it, it, one of the words that he used to me uh, was relentless. That's how it was. It was relentless. It just kept coming back at them. And, and with the, the vocalisations and, and all that. And they ended up, they ended up uh, emptying both magazines from their sidearms at it. And then they decided they'd get out of there because they were concerned about the noise they were making and uh, having a police presence because they shouldn't have had the stuff there in the first place illegal. <laughs> sure. And so they've had to hightail it back up there. And they, what they call that, they said they've sanitised the area. They've picked up all the shells, they've raked everything, um, they've bagged everything, and they got out of there. Um, he didn't believe that he'd, he'd hit it. Okay. He said that he'd made enough impact. He believed he made enough impact to scare it away uh, and for it not to come back. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now, one week later, a friend of mine, Nigel, uh, who's pretty heavily involved in the Yowie scene. Okay. Him and his wife, and that, remember, all this was top secret. It was all top secret. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to tell anybody any of this, right? Sure. This was all under the table. And uh, so I, mum was the word, basically, and Nigel phones me the following Saturday. He said, do you know anything that's happened recently in Ormo? <laughs> no, nothing rings a bell. Right. <laughs> he said, well, we've been out to this location, and, and, and Nigel's a hunter, he's, okay. he, and he's a sniper, basically. Oh. 
And he said, uh, we found something very interesting. Uh, you would be interested in this. Now, <laughs> we were out there, and he said, now, from, from what I can see, it looks like there's a bottom position where someone was camping, right? But up here, there's a sniping position. <laughs> and we go, oh, okay. And, and he said, so there's this and there's that. He said, now, down below, in the trees, there's all these bullet holes. <laughs> oh, right. He said, but here's the kicker, though. Everything's been raked. Someone has sanitised the area. Everything's been raked everywhere. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> wow. Uh, but for me, uh, that was the confirmation that I needed. Because you know, one person saying they did all this, but the confirmation was there seven days later. Mm-hmm. And this had no idea about the event that had taken place seven days prior. Wow. Wow. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. All right, everybody, and we're back, and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal podcast. Buckle up, we're going in. It's just amazing to me how, how aware these things are uh, of their surroundings. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty clear that they're able to see just fine in no light. Um, and I don't understand that. Uh, but, it, I mean, to avoid the tripwires, to avoid everything, and still move in on that position, that's yeah. crazy. You know, somebody in the chat asked, you know, if they, if maybe they can see somehow maybe the, the magnetic fields around some of these instruments they may have been using, um, because we hear that, you know, over here in the States, they, it's possible that they see, um, the infrared spectrum, they see heat, uh, obviously heat signatures. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, so, you know, would they be able to see in other spectrums such as like magnetic um, fields or whatnot. I I think it is basically down to what I said uh, in part one. They have extremely acute sensitive eyes, and again, you know, I said that their, their eyes are tucked all the way back into their skull. They have these uh, prominent eye ridges protecting their eyes from sunlight. And the reason that their eyes are so sucken back in the, into the, the skull and, and shrouded is because of the sensitivity from sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they are, of course, um, uh, cathmeral, which means that they, they will operate day and night. They're not nocturnal, they're not diurnal, they're cathmeral. Oh. Um, it's like they're omnivores, they're not herbivores, they're not carnivores, they're somewhere in between. They'll go in anything, they're opportunists, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same with their eyes. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a 24-hour gamut, but the thing is that their eyes will be a lot more sensitive than ours mm-hmm. at night time. Mm-hmm. So now, is there a 60% gain on what we can see? Is that enough? Um, now, I've seen these things in top flight. I've seen the business end of these things, and they, I've seen them operate in darkness that we would trip over mm-hmm. walking. And these guys are going like 40 miles an hour, um, just crashing, leaping over things. And, you know, it, it, it's 
I think it's more so probably a gain, unless they've got something incredible happening. Um, then we'll say, okay, is something incredible happening? Well, how do you explain that the, the ice shines self-eliminating and changing colours and now going from, from yellow to red and, in my case, white? Right. Uh, that makes no sense either. Mm -hmm. uh, that explains me many, many different ways. But it's, it doesn't matter how much you want to explain it, it's still weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. But those claims come in, so I, and, and from a diverse audience of people. So, I mean, that's not just a one-off event in any case. I mean, people all over the world are reporting these weird eye, you know, configurations and, and things. Uh, I remember hearing a report of somebody that was um, out with their son, uh, an older son. They were, they were very strategically looking for these things, and the son laid down in the, in the brush, and one walked right up near him and was looking past him, but he said he watched his eyes go from, like, red to green and, you know, had these other spectrums involved there. And I was like, whoa, what does that mean? That's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail about that many other things because after the second, after the first hour, I want to get into something more serious. Sure. Um, but um, it, it's funny because I, I mentioned the word Willie before, someone naming the Yowie Willie. <laughs> and... Um, there's a lot of people who do name their Yowies, and of course they name their Bigfoot as well. Sure. Um, another one, uh, I, I touched on this last last episode um, about infrared and uh, this place where we've taken a film crew, mm -hmm. the infrared had blown up, and, and it also made tracks. Anyway, this, this one, his name's Oscar, and there's a place called Tari that we used to go to, uh, and Oscar was nine feet tall, and he was grey. And this, uh, the, the witness and the property owner, his name was Jeff Nelson. And we spent a lot of time with Jeff, God love him, rest in peace. And he lived in a shed with his family, his wife Vicky and his son Andrew, who was probably about nine, nine years old at the time. And their, their shed that they lived in was right up in the bush, right up on a hillside. And they, the, the family... It lived there for generations or decades, I should say. Mm -hmm. And the, the grandparents were down on the lower ground in an actual house house. And Jeff used to pick uh, fixed motorbikes, and it was all very, very messy, very, very messy sort of property. And uh, so he had these encounters with Oscar, the nine-foot grey. A lot of them, and, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, everybody, the whole family had seen him. And uh, yeah, he used to, going outside at night time, uh, to go to the loo, he used to call it having a wet. <laughs> okay. I was, so I was going outside, I was, I was having a wet, you know. <laughs> and so on, on this particular night, he was outside having a wet, <laughs> and he, he'd, walked out, he'd walked out through his door, and uh, he's out there having a wet, and <laughs> he doesn't remember this gum tree being there before. This big gum tree just... Hang on, that gum tree wasn't there before. Uh -huh. And here is Big Oscar standing there right next to him, just looking down at him. <laughs> oh, my God. He said, um, I didn't only just have a wet. <laughs> oh, no. story, he actually did. He, he, he honestly relieved himself. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, Danny's trouser pants. Wow. And um, and he, he said um, he said Oscar's looking at me, and uh, and there's another tree next to Oscar, and said Oscar's looking at me. He goes. <laughs> Up against the tree, like I'm just a part of the tree. <laughs> and when he's standing there, he goes. <laughs> and then he turns around and he walks away. <laughs> but, so he sort of, he sort of, he goes into the tree like I'm not here. And he and he, and he catches Jeff. He goes, no, he can still see me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's not working. <laughs> and he just turns around and walks off into the. Oh my god. Into the bush. So uh, Oscar was there for a bit, and then there was another a black one, and him and uh, Andrew saw him. He said, "Just looking through the bush," and he said, "He's all mangy, like mangy hair, etc." Mm-hmm. Uh, and the face. So we we brought that film crew up that time, and uh, I'd set the main guy up on on the track uh, on top of the hill, and said, "He this is the track he comes down on," and he had again one of these big big uh, TV cameras. And on top of it was mounted a, uh, an IR pack, uh, passive infrared. Okay. And so he's up there and, and he's waiting. And uh, one of the other, we, we had no, another crew over to one side. We're all on comms, of course. And uh, and the, the, the guy up with the camera, he, he radios down. He says, what, what does it mean if you're being growled at? <laughs> and I said, oh, it's probably, probably not, not a good sound to hear right now. And he, he heard this thing walk along and suddenly growls at him and suddenly his IR patch blows out. And then this thing comes down over that side and the two crew members we've got over there, they radio in saying they saw these red eyes coming down through the bush like so. And um, so we didn't have much of a night with him that night, but the next day we are out there and uh, got a radio feed from Ashley and it's on one of our YouTubes, and Ashley was there, and he gets this rock thrown at his feet, and he thought maybe he kicked it himself. Then another rock comes, lands at his feet, and another rock comes, and he goes, and then he radios me, so I think you better get back up here. <laughs> and uh, and so, and then he said, he said then, then I think after the third, the third rock came, uh, out comes uh, a kangaroo or a wallaby from the thicket, and then out comes it, and it walks off through uh, the forest. So what had happened was Ashley was walking down towards the kangaroo. This thing had already scoped the kangaroo, was onto the kangaroo, and he's going, stay away. He's throwing, throwing rocks at Ashley to say, get away, get away, because he's watching this kangaroo, we, we believe. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Wow. So, so that, was, that, that, was, that was that. But uh, the infrared, I think that's what brought us into the infrared thing. It was at his property and realising and doing all the tests with infrared that these things could actually see it. Mm. And, uh, and back in the early days, we didn't have we didn't have game cameras like we do now. Sure. We could make our own infrared, but they're all sort of hardwired. Um, game cameras weren't really well, they weren't they weren't readily available. Sure. I think in early two thousands, game, game tracker came out. There's one American company, and they put their all their um, all their uh, electronics, they, they dipped in resin, so the Chinese couldn't copy, copy it. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and um, about three, three and a half thousand dollars, we managed to buy one, one oh. of the first ones. Wow. But uh, yeah, in, in, infrared, it's, uh, it's definitely something that, um, that we believe they can see. Mm. 
What about, you don't suppose UV as well, or is there any indication about them being able to see UV? Or has that not been tested? Okay. No, we haven't done that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I just know that, uh, you know, for paranormal research and ghosts and stuff, they, they utilize full spectrum cameras, um, and they, they've turned up some interesting things for ghost hunting, but I don't know if it would, if it would translate over to the Yowie research. But another, pe another thing that people seem to be starting to utilize is these starlight cameras that mm -hmm. just magnify available light, and, and they're really impressive from the shots that I've seen. And I have to wonder if those wouldn't be really well utilized in this in this kind of research. But yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm familiar with. Uh, I, I know now that we've been using game cameras. Yes, we've pretty much ruined areas by using them. Like I said before, like like in part one. I mean, you know, people say, "Oh, I'm scared," and uh, uh, what can we do? Uh, Years ago, when we have when we had all these people contacting us and, and calls for help, we used to gear up and we used to go to all these properties uh, all up and down the eastern seaboard. Um, now, it, it, my advice is quite simple: just set up some game cameras around your house, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's that's happened over here too. I've heard many stories of people hanging up those security lights that use infrared and stuff, <laughs> and sure enough, they won't come near them, or they seem to actually know exactly where the border of that light is, so they won't they won't break that edge once right. you know when they see it, they avoid it completely, and that's just fascinating. But um, yeah, I, I think they can see on that spectrum. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Now I've heard people t telling me, and I don't know if this is true or not. I've I've had dogs, but I, I've never tested it. But they said that they they took an IR uh, TV remote and were able to their dog was able to chase it around where the dot would appear on the floor. And I didn't know that that was the case that dogs could see that too. But that's what this person yeah. tells me. If if you use a, a video camera and you put that on night vision uh -huh. and then get your TV remote and 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 press the button, you'd be able to bring it up. Yes, you'd be able. To bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I, I can do. I got an old Nintendo Wii here, mm -hmm. and I have a, a home security camera. And when I turn it, it that Wii is just like two little spotlights, but otherwise it's completely invisible to me. So I find that just fascinating. But it's it's pretty impressive. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormalportalradio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at paranormalportal, P-O-R-T-L, and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.